Are you a bad dungeon master? Do your players secretly hate you? BuzzFeed has all the answers. Find out as we dissect the absolute worst things you can do as a DM. Coming up on this episode of the Nat 20 Knowledge. We need to stop shouting out BuzzFeed. They never shout us back for some reason. That's the whole article. It's from BuzzFeed. (laughs) Is that the whole article? Yeah, yeah. Wait, this is an actual article from BuzzFeed? I wasn't kidding. Are you serious? Yeah. BuzzFeed covers Dungeons and Dragons? They're the authority of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> but why? The, the uh, game masters, as someone called them. <laughs> yeah, that seems weird to me that they would be into D&D. Isn't D&D a typical sign of the patriarchy? Hmm. I think it is. I'm torn In on fact, I'm, I'm here saying it right now, BuzzFeed. Congratulations on supporting the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and right. on that note... Welcome back to the Nat 20 Knowledge, the most consistently inconsistent series we do. (laughs) I am your rehired host, Josh, (laughs) and I am joined by my dynamic duo of Dungeon Masters. First up, our soft-spoken Dungeon Master, Mr. Shane Kirkham. Shane, how are you today? I'm pretty good. It's cold out, so... It is very cold out here. Yeah. I know you don't get that over there, Noah, but it was like minus 25 yesterday. That's Celsius, by the way. Absolutely not. I don't want any part of that. To be honest, I, that's why I'm out here. It's, I mean, first of all, the weather's a lot nicer, generally speaking. But yeah, the winter time, we get like an inch of snow. Wow. I'm a fan. Yeah. Inches a lot. Okay, guys. It is for the drivers out here, man. An inch of snow out here, and it's like accidents left and right. I don't understand it. Being from snowy parts of Canada and then coming here, you'd be like, oh, yeah, driver's got to be like on point here. Like there's no snow. It's the yeah. opposite. They see an inch and it's just a pfft, rear ends and front ends and gone side ends and i don't know <laughs> i guess i should introduce you before you keep rambling on uh we're rambling. also joined by the world famous dm of the dice d20 podcast mr noah primack thanks thanks josh it's good to be here no shane don't clap for him don't uh, don't give him more clap for me shane <laughs> i said clap all that sarcastically <laughs> world famous was in quotes <laughs> we are listened to on every continent except for antarctica so i, I think that does count as globally famous Do you want me to double check and see if we are in our <laughs> Some scientist down there just <laughs> shivering, laughing his ass off at whatever Fievel does. <laughs> All right. So if you're new to the Nat 20 Knowledge, uh, because this clickbait title, Eight Reasons You May Be a Bad Game Master, has brought you to the podcast. We're a podcast that uh, we usually play Dungeons & Dragons, but uh, on the Nat 20, we focus around just how to play the game, the mechanics, uh, how to be a good dungeon master, how to make a story, stuff like that. But first, I'd like to let you guys know about Die Hard Dice. So Die Hard mm. Dice is our sponsor today and is the best Appreciate place to go for all your dice needs. You can get the highest quality metal and polymer set dice as well as a nice dice folding tray. You can also shop to match your class. So are you playing a rogue? Why not pick up the Sinister Chrome with red set? Are you playing a druid? Then we've got you covered with the green Stardust set. So if you're looking to up your game, visit dieharddice.com and use the code DICED20 at checkout to get 15% off. Once again, that's dieharddice.com and use DiceyD20 for 15% off. This episode is going to be a little bit different than the ones we've done before. Usually we focus on one topic and kind of dissect it, find out what all your opinions are on it. But this week, we're going to dive into a BuzzFeed article. I know we love BuzzFeed here at the the DiceyD20 podcast. Uh, They're my favorite source of Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) They're my favorite source of... I actually don't listen to the news. I just look, look at BuzzFeed just buzzfeed eh? so the world is dying according to your view eh? <laughs> no 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 i think no. i think everything's good right now it's hard to say though you know 
I'm just so disappointed by all the things that BuzzFeed is disappointed about. The other day, I, I think it was BuzzFeed or maybe it was Snapchat. It was an article on Snapchat. I'm not sure if it was BuzzFeed on Snapchat or someone else. So I don't want to like critique them if it wasn't them, but it was like all the sinister things or all the, the, the awful things in Disney movies of your past. And it was talking about how like Ursula from the Little Mermaid is like a stereotypical LGBTQ person, right? With like the short hair and, but like she was, she was based off a drag queen in like the eighties. You know what I mean? Like that they were pretty upfront about that. It was talking about how like all these other movies are like sexist and racist. And it's like, Jesus, like, you know, like it was Disney and it was back in the day, like before we knew better, like shut up. Yeah. But, but James Gunn can't make a few tweets a couple of years ago without getting <laughs> fired by Disney. So, you know, it comes all back around. So, <laughs> but you know what? I agree with Buzzfeed and I think we should no longer watch our favorite beloved Disney movies. I think it's wrong to enjoy them. You know, Pocahontas, that's terrible, terrible movie, bad values all around, you know. (laughs) All right. I feel like I don't stop you. You're just going to keep going about Disney movies. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to go into Buzzfeed, uh, critiquing dungeon masters. So, Mm. uh, I found this article, eight reasons you may be a bad game master. It's written by Sean about four years ago, 2014. So he, he kind of takes a, takes a stab at some, uh, some common tropes in uh, Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop RPGs and gives his take on, uh, what he thinks is destroying the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Wait, wait, and, Sean, what's his last name? What's his address? What's his home phone number? What's uh, his email? What's his I'm LinkedIn? Not, I'm not going to do any of that. No, no, <laughs> you guys you definitely check should. Out the li- we'll link, we'll link the article down in the description <laughs> below. So you guys can check out the article if you want. Um, so he's got to take, um, what makes a bad DM. Yeah. So he's, um, many of them I feel are weird and I like to just go into them. Does Um, he list any of his sources? (laughs) I think they're just opinion based. So as most of Buzzfeed is, I feel. All right. Well, let's, well, let's see. I mean, Sean could have some valid points. I'm interested to know because Buzzfeed, like I said, is the best. There's, there's definitely a few, uh, few points he makes, but I don't know if any of them are. Do either of them apply to me or Noah? All of them apply to you and Noah. Okay. If I feel like I'm being attacked, Josh, I'm going to walk <laughs> off. Right? I brought these up just for you guys, actually. If I feel like I'm attacked, I send it back. If the uh, fries are on top of the salad, I send it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's get, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this list. Mm. So, um, so number one of the eight reasons you might be a bad game master is your adventure starts off in a tavern. So, <laughs> so the problem is that he, he, he writes a small sentence down below kind of elaborating. So he says 99.8% of all adventures start with characters meeting in taverns. If this were true, no tavern would exist considering the property damage that ensues. Um, Ah, Come on, Sean, you could have started out stronger, man. Yeah. I I mean, I guess I can kind of see where he's coming from. It's a bit of a trope and it's maybe a stereotype for most adventures. I feel like it's kind of a thing, but it's almost like it's, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. So I feel like it's not a bad thing. It's just, yeah, it's where everybody gathers and. Yeah. I, as a, as a player who's had a few start off in taverns, there's nothing inherently wrong with starting off in a tavern. I think the first game we ever played, no, you started us off in a tavern, but yeah, I think it's first time DMing ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that as long as you take the story somewhere and kind of give reason for the characters to be in the tavern, yeah. poor writing maybe, but not bad, like not, not necessarily a bad DM. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're a bad DM. I mean, look, 
like I said, I started out like our very first game together, Josh, was in a tavern. It's because like you don't know any better, right? And you're just trying to come up with <sighs> starting a game can be so challenging sometimes, right? And since then I've had starts that have been like really, really unique and interesting. You know, like we talked to to Ness, for example, the back alley DM, as he likes to be called, and, and he's all about you know, like he had this one campaign where they started on a ship and that, you know, they can see this, this, uh, where tiger El Tigre ship in the distance. That's like super looming and scary. Rick, you know what I mean? I've had, I've had campaigns start in a cart similar to Skyrim, like going down a road and they don't really know why they're there. I've had quests start, you know, obviously in captivity, but I've had quests start like in the middle of nowhere or just like you are in like a city, you know what I mean? And, and you're kind of walking the streets. So I just think the tavern, I actually love he, like hearing a campaign start in a tavern because it's such a familiar and I find it to be like a comforting start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And it almost sets up the players with really good character introductions and interactions with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Can lead to some interesting antics mm-hmm. for sure. That's not to be said that like, you. I mean, there, there are really interesting starts that you can do outside of a tavern. You can also do like other common meeting places, but like, the the thing is, like for example, like you could you could have all your players meet like in the town square while there's like the town scryer who's like announcing something up on like a podium, right? And everyone's like in the crowd booing or cheering or like listening to him talking. You could have them like attend like like a ceremony or like a festival in a town, right? But the whole idea of like you have to have somewhere where it makes sense for them all to be, and so that's what the tavern does really well. Yeah, I don't know, Sean. I think that maybe if he explained his point like a little bit more, like you know, like actually delved into it. Yeah, I'd he does be not, more inclined he to continues to not do that. <laughs> yeah, so I'd be more inclined to believe him on that, but, but I don't know. He didn't really support his point. You know, he's just like, I'm tired of taverns. I like taverns. Property damage Sean, would be too much, fuck right? you. Yeah, yeah, the property damage would be too much, which I mean. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've had, I don't think I've had any of my players destroy a tavern. I think they've started brawls, like tavern brawls, but it's yeah. not like they've set it on fire. All right. Well, I think we dissected that one pretty, pretty well. So. It, uh, I, if I can come to the conclusion, it's not inherently a bad thing. It's just um, maybe an overused trope in gaming. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's used a bunch. I don't think that means it's bad. Yeah. Number two on this list, there is a corrupt authority figure. This one, I think, is more of a overall media trope than necessarily a and d trope. You know what I mean? Like in movies or TV shows, it's always the the king or the queen or you know like an authority figure that is evil and whether that's a secret or not at the beginning so i, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if it's directly with dungeons and dragons as it is with media as a whole and storytelling yeah i don't know i think i think in all the campaigns that i've run and i've run like a fair few i haven't had altogether too many evil kings or queens or evil authority figures i think that they make human decisions like they they make what I think are realistic decisions. And that doesn't mean they're evil. It just means they're human. Mm -hmm. But I think that the reason why that's a common theme in D and D is like a King that, or a queen that's like malevolent is simply because like, that's a, that's a historical trend and a, and a almost universal truth. Like everyone can, can name dictators and leaders that have been corrupt and in power. And that's something that we can all kind of like, you know, empathize with that situation. You know what I mean? Like we, we can all understand it. So I don't know, man, I'm, that's over two in my mind with, with <laughs> Sean here. Like, I mean, he's just not saying enough for me to, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not inclined to agree with this one either. What about you, Shane? Yeah. I can just see it. It's another one of those kind of tropes maybe. Yeah. Cause campaign I just ran, 
the players were faced against this powerful overlord who was kind of in control of a militia in the city who took over. And he was being a tyrant, basically. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives the character some motivation if they want to do good. And Yeah. Well, it can definitely be a crucial plot point, right? Mm -hmm. Like exposing the evil king or queen or bringing them down, right? It can definitely give a group a reason to move towards doing something, right? I think we're all agreeing on this. Should I be the devil's advocate and just <laughs> fight against you guys on these points? Yeah, argue against us, Josh. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll do that on, on the next few questions here, <laughs> the next few points here. Okay. Moving on to number three, violence is always the solution. So uh, this one, you know, I, I believe this one has merit. Having, having every, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cause Sean isn't here to defend himself. Um, what you defending Sean now? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're not on our side anymore. eh? <laughs> um, so, so this one has merit, I believe, because going into every quest, every, every incident, just fighting away kind of ruins the role playing experience. If you, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So Ooh. you want to, you want to give them a diverse pool of, of quests and, uh, achievements to overcome rather than just you slay another 50 orcs and here's a dragon and here's a ogre and you fight them all. You can't never, you can never talk yourself out of it or it's never a puzzle or a diplomatic dispute. And I think this also, doesn't allow all the players to play their characters. You know what I mean? So if you have a, a noble PC character, um, he's not going to do as well in fights as a barbarian. Whereas if you had him into a, uh, a political setting, he could definitely talk his way around and get through the, that quest easier than a barbarian could. So it allows those different interactions with, for the player characters. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think what he's saying here, what Sean's saying is that you know, like combat might be overused or it might be over relied on by DMs. And like, you think you have to have combat. I somewhat agree with him in the sense that like, I don't think every situation, every crescendo, every point along your plot line has to be combat. You know what I mean? That's why I have puzzles. That's why I have diplomatic situations. That's why you've got like the whole season two of Dicey was like super political. And a lot of it like depended on how you guys interacted with Ularic or Wolfhelm, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that he's somewhat right in the fact that combat's overused. That being said, it's, it's D and D Dungeons and Dragons is a dungeon delving and dragon slaying style of game. And yeah, like not every character is going to be great at combat, right? Like we can already see in Dicey is a great example is like some characters who are like thriving in combat and others who are doing like just okay. But that's because not all combat is the same either. So I think that that's an important point is like, it's not, hack and slash combat where it's just like i go now you go now you go and we're all in like an open field that's very different than like fighting in narrow city streets or or in the underground of a city or mm -hmm. it's very different than like fighting in a throne room or it's very different than fighting on a vessel right like different characters are going to do really well in different kinds of combat so that's super important to to note as well if you're just doing like white bread combat then yeah like that sucks but you can make combat really really unique and interesting and then you can also just have parts of your plot that have nothing to do with combat right yeah. Shane, did I convince you or uh, me, me and Sean, Sean convinced convince me you? Not, not you. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of on your guys' side on this one. I agree combat can be probably a little overplayed, but it also depends on what the players want to get out of it. Some of them just want, they don't like the role playing and just want to stay in combat, right? That's true. So you're um, going to kind of cater your, your characters, your players yeah. um, going into this. Yeah. My campaign, I, early on, I would have a dungeon or something they're trying to going through 
and I'd just throw in a ton of, you know, the same enemies they're going through and there's a bunch of Koatoa everywhere. So you just approach Koatoa, attack it and kill it, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I found it got really repetitive. repetitive. <laughs> so when, I, when I'm trying to plan a combat encounter, I want to put it in some kind of unique, interesting way that they have to go about it. Mm-hmm. One I can think of, for example, is I had a Cobalt Cave and all my players are pretty high level at this point. So Cobalt's wouldn't really pose too much of a threat to them, but it's because it's their home and the co- Cobalt's knew that their players were coming. They had some time to set up. So there's almost like this crossroads in the dungeon mm-hmm. where I clearly marked and told them all these hallways and paths here. You can easily tell that there's a bunch of traps scattered across the floor. And it's right. easily marked that this is our practice trap area, right? So I told them, you know, you guys can move through these without making checks or anything. You just got to move at half speed to be careful of going through. So once they get to the center of the crossroads, you can see down the other three paths that there's big doors that bust open. Cobalt's with like bigger ballisticas are there so they can shoot at the players. Mm. The ballisticas will grapple them and then start reeling them in <laughs> through all the traps in the hallways. So yeah, it's, it's combat technically, I guess, but it's a different form of combat, different form of combat and different yeah. problem that they have to solve in combat. They're not just fighting a bunch of kobolds. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, I had a campaign which was all wyvern rider based. So like, you know, these, uh, our heroes would, two of them specifically would, would train a wyvern and then would learn styles of combat that like supplemented the wyvern both on land and in the air so like they're strapping their legs into the the wyvern they're rolling they're fighting other wyverns in the air that's like very dynamic and interesting combat and like players love that kind of shit Mm -hmm. so i don't know like bottom line if you're making it boring or if you're just rinse and repeating then yeah sure like you should combat's overused but if you come up with something that's really dope and unique and interesting then i don't think there's anything wrong with combat that's what characters are designed to do is to you know, almost all of them have a style of fighting. So yeah, I don't know. I think if you don't want to have combat, then don't play D and D, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I don't think that's I what think he's you're saying. looking he's saying, for a different game, you know, he's saying violence is always the solution. So making it not always the solution is the best solution. Yeah. I've given this one to Sean. That's one for three. Sure. Fuck him. <laughs> all right. So number four, this one is weird. Uh, it says a dwarf has a battle axe. Your mage is a wimp. So I guess this is just stereotyping characters, but I don't know if he means player characters or if he means NPC characters. And either way, I think it's so absolutely correct. He's just calling. <laughs> Sorry, can, can you repeat it? He's saying the dwarf has a battle axe. Yeah, he's calling mages nerds mm-hmm. and dwarves cool bros. Yeah, basically. No, he's just saying that there's a there's stereotyping like uh, classes and characters into uh, niche roles. So like. Dwarves always needing uh, to be the the heavy axe users. That's not true. Uh, or that's not to. true, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I say this to my characters every time they make my my players every time they make a character. I'm like, yeah, you know, like the dwarf, for example, has proficiency with battle axes and great axes, and he's got proficiency with battle hammers and great hammers or whatever it is. Right? That doesn't mean you can't have a dwarven spellcaster. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's no rule against it. Also, there are variations on races and classes like you can come up with whatever you want now i think like i I saw this really funny meme the other day which is like a caster who had like like 
he was obviously, he's like super ripped. He had no shirt on and he was like casting this huge like spell overhead. And it's like when you're a wizard, but you put all your points into strength, it's like you can do whatever the fuck you want, Sean. Yeah, no, I God. think you're arguing with him, but I think you're agreeing with him because he's saying he doesn't like that being a thing. So mm-hmm. you're definitely agreeing with him right now, but you're no, acting I'm not, like I'm you're not agreeing with him. He's <laughs> saying that the dwarves are always the bros and the spellcasters are always wimps and the druids are always like earth. You know, no, no, but here's, here's what he says. Underneath. He says, he says, how about a barbarian who wanted nothing more than to be a scholar or a dwarf who really wants to be a mage? He's, he's, he's agreeing with you on, you know, mixing up the, the roles. He just, the title was really weird. <laughs> okay. But, but okay. No, but I still disagree because here's the thing. This, these are supposed to be points for DMs, eight signs. You might be a bad DM. Mm-hmm. This isn't down to me. This is down to my, my players. No, I, I agree with that. Nuts. Yeah. Also AKA dabble dob and dicey D 20. He played the dumbest barbarian, but that was up to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I didn't tell him to make a dragonborn barbarian with an intelligence of minus four. <laughs> he wanted to do it. So like, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's not up to your DM. Like your DM can only do so much to say, Hey, maybe be a bit more creative with your, your character and your player can go, Oh yeah, that's a good input or no, fuck you. I'm, I'm being a, I'm being a sneaky rogue who only lives in the shadows or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to tell my players what they can and can't be. Mm-hmm. And I think I've done a pretty good job of making unique NPCs for that matter that aren't just like your typical dwarf or your typical spellcaster. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've made unique stuff. I, I would say listening to Shane talk about what he's made in the past, he's definitely got more unique and uh, interesting NPCs that he's told me about. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah, if you're making everything very monotone in terms of your landscape as a dm then sure you're doing a bad job but okay so that's uh two points for sean then i'll give it damn it. i'll agree <laughs> it's tied up now right? tied up all right let's go we're, we're into the final four so see how we do <laughs> so number five is the search for x magic item uh so quests are great and so are magical items but we have to always find the orb uh, we always have to find the orb to stop whoever so it's a player fetching to go get a magical item to stop someone. I'll let you guys go in on this first, and then I'll try and defend it. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he doesn't like this. He doesn't like that you have to go find a magic item to stop a bad guy or whatever. Yeah, I can agree with that, I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. As soon as I turn Fine. to Sean's side, we I'll start fight winning. all three of you. <laughs> no, what's wrong with this this quest line? Look, I I get it that DMs can overuse it, but I don't think you're a bad DM if you set up like a really cool storyline where not that it hinges on, but that part of it it has to do with like a magical item that you have to get in order to either ensure something or stop someone or whatever the case may be. I mean, ultra powerful dudes who pose a threat to the the world that you've created are going to need to be stopped, and they're probably going to need to be stopped by an artifact or an object that's more powerful than you are, or has some power over them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a common theme or trope, there's no doubt about that. But it doesn't mean you're a bad DM if you adhere to a storyline like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've run storylines like that. I, I haven't run every single storyline like that, but I mean, but you could say that about anything, right? You could say like, oh, you're a, you're a bad DM if you have, like he said, a corrupt person in power. It's like, yeah, okay. I could be a bad DM if I have a corrupt person in power. I could be a bad DM if I have a, a storyline that hinges on a powerful magical artifact. But let's just say like, you're a bad DM if you're running the same story over and over again. Like mm-hmm. that's the truth mm-hmm. of it. That's what, that's all he's saying, right? Is like, if you run stuff all the time, you're yeah. doing a bad job. And right. I agree with it. Yeah. But like, that doesn't mean that any of these ideas are bad. It just means you have to like 
diversify. Be diverse and spread it out. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I think, I think he could have made the points better that, that, yeah, it, uh, like you said, if you do these all the time, then it's a bad thing, but they're not Point for inherently Noah. bad. Point yeah. for Noah. All right. All right. <laughs> yes. Fuck you, Sean. Two, two for five. Was that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. This one is more of the same. Uh, so <laughs> an evil power is rising in X part of the world and you must stop it. Yeah. I mean, same shit. Pretty similar. Dude. Same shit, different point. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, it's just, it's a commonly used theme. I get it, but you can put unique twists on it. I think that's why it's important to never have like such a singular faceted or singular dimensional or one dimensional storyline, right? Mm. You know, have, have a storyline that's, have a world that's living and breathing so that your characters can pick up whatever they'd like and they can go about a pro, cause I mean, it's fine to have a storyline where like there's a power rising in this part of the world and you need to stop it. But give them like four different ways to confront the problem. And then it's not a stale idea, right? Then it's an interesting way to go about it still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so I think this one is a, is a wash to try and even argue over. It's a two, two for six. Sean, you let me down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, number seven, your players get too powerful too quickly. This one, you know what? As a player, I can agree with, but I'll let you guys defend it as DMs. So you're a bad DM if your players get too powerful too quickly. That's what it's also a bad DM if your players don't progress quickly enough and they, they're getting like 50 XP per session. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. What is the right speed? Like that's the thing. You're telling me Sean from BuzzFeed has all the answers as far as how fast <laughs> I'm supposed to fucking level my characters. Yeah. I'll make these decisions for myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> you cuck. Here's the thing. I'm sorry to take this, take the mic away from you guys here, but they're like not. I've had Josh, you know, from our very first session that we ever played together, you guys leveled like relatively slowly because I was new and I wasn't like doling out XP for every single fucking thing you did. Mm -hmm. And I had like kind of like regimented it so that like you got the hard amount of XP for each creature. We started off really slow. Um, And then when I came out West and I started playing games out here, the group that I amassed out here, these guys grew to be like level twenties within a year. And a lot of people are like level 20 within a year. Like how on earth did you do that? It's like, dude, we played three times a week for three hours minimum a session. We were playing like 10 hours a week. And there were nights that we did like 14 hours. Like I remember one night distinctly, we did like a 14 hour session. Jesus. We did not sleep and we went to work the next day. Good time. Good fucking times. And it's like, dude, your characters are going to, how much are they doing? How involved are they? Like, I'm not going to give Rogar Ragnak XP for sitting in jail for five sessions, <laughs> but I'm going to give someone XP and fuck tons of it for doing like research and, and investigating the world and meeting new people and, and doing fun stuff. Like, I don't know. I think this is one of those things where I half expect Sean's next point to be you level characters too slowly. And that's like a, a bit. <laughs> no, I don't the, like the it's last like, yeah. one. Is, the last one is gold, but we'll save that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's save that. Cause uh, I actually have, do, have some opinions on gold, but I don't think it matters how quickly or how slowly you level them. If it's a first time player, I would say you might want to level them more slowly to start out with and give them the actual feeling of like accomplishment. But like a player who's been playing for years, you're, they're not missing out if they level through one to five quicker. They know that grind. You know what I mean? So, and it's more yeah. so at that point about the storyline than anything. I agree. I agree with the, you to a point. I think it's good to let them earn their keep. You know what I mean? Even experienced players like myself or any of you guys, if you're playing and you still, uh, getting that first level is like the best feeling. You're like, Oh, I get new spells, new, whatever, new abilities. And 
And then even the grind is still enjoyable, I think. And so allowing your players to get that grind, I think is, is still fun for them. And, and I can see it uh, going the other way too. Your players becoming too powerful too quickly. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of times where I leveled up twice in Dicey D20 in one session just because we got so much XP. And I was like, mm-hmm. I got to do so much homework. And, and then, <laughs> and then playing later, I'm like, Oh yeah, I have that, but I forgot about it. You know, leveling up once at a time, I think per session is, isn't a bad idea. Giving them that session to learn their new abilities and, uh, and then get used to them and then moving them on to a higher level, I don't think is a terrible idea, but that's, that's based on the players and based on, uh, how much experience they have and like how much the DM has experience with. So it varies, right? It's not a one, if you do this, you're a terrible DM, but mm-hmm. uh, any input chain or do we cover it all? It's pretty much covering it. All right. You'll, you can take the first on the next <laughs> the, one. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think that's another notch against Sean. So that's uh two for seven. He can't come ahead positive on this one, guys. So number eight is, uh, I'd say the most controversial because it's Ooh. so dumb <laughs> and I can't even defend it. Um, don't, don't change our opinions before I've even heard the question. I could be with, I could be with Sean on you're this You're right. One. You're right. I'm, I'm doing a classic, uh, straw man or what, you know, <laughs> anyway, he says, or you are a bad dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons. If there is a dragon. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh, fuck off. You know what? Yeah. You, you could have told me that this was the greatest point that he had made and I still would be fucking angry. Go ahead, Shane. I, I want you to take this one before I absolutely lose my mind. I just don't understand his point. I guess. Sure. I guess so. I, I Whatever guess, you think, buddy. I guess his point, maybe he had, maybe he just has a terrible DM, you know, that uses uh-huh. all these same tropes over and over again. Yeah. He's just sick of it. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like he's just, bad for Sean. Yeah, it just sounds like all these points are like, if you're repeating them over and over again and you're just Wearing your players out on the same stuff, you know? Yeah, because they're, they're not actually necessarily, like, except for a couple exceptions, they're not necessarily bad DM mechanics. They're just, yeah. they're either overused story tropes, which are, guess, yeah, which aren't necessarily bad. You just got to diversify a bit. And I think as a, as most DMs know that as long as you change up the quest, it's fine. Like, and Dungeon Dragons is kind of what you, you want to slay a dragon, right? That's, yeah, that's the of, goal. I've never slain a dragon in Dungeons and Dragons in my, whatever, six years of playing. Yeah. I had this monk character who I'm just going to make him fist fight. And I really want him to fist fight a dragon. It's kind of what I'm working towards with them. Yeah. And like, that's the story you want to hear. Like, that's the ideal story you want to tell from Dungeons and Dragons that I went into a dungeon. We fought a dragon. Like, I know it's a trope, but it's still the, I don't know. It's like taking your training wheels off. You fought a dragon. It's sick. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I've been playing for like seven years and, uh, and I've maybe, I've never actually fought a dragon. To be fair, I DM more than I play. I've played like very, very little. And in terms of DMing, I have used two different dragons in hundreds and hundreds of hours of gameplay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I used one undead black dragon and I used one white dragon in the north. Like that's like, I, I don't know, man. I think dragons are some of the coolest parts of D&D. They're definitely one of the most unique creatures. You would be amiss if your players aren't fighting them or, ha- or don't fight them, not often, but like don't enjoy a dragon fight every once in a while. Like dragons are dope. There's nothing wrong with it. It's called Dungeons and Dragons, you game guy. <laughs> 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 
Hello, I'd like to go to Chipotle, but I think having Chipotle at Chipotle makes no sense, and it's 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 a trope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck off. But I want a Big Mac. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, I would like a pair of skis, sir. This is Mark's work warehouse. Well, I don't want to get workwear here. That's a trope. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. No, I I think we can all agree on that one, and I think this whole article is in general is uh, is a two out of eight, which is pretty good mm. for BuzzFeed. I'll give them that. Uh, Hey, yeah. hey, BuzzFeed is, is a credible and reliable source of information. And I, and I don't like that you're coming against me here. I think, I think we can come up with a better list. And I think we should. I think that that's mm. how we'll end it. We'll, we'll end up making our own bad dungeon master traits list. Um, okay. Yeah, let's do that. That are actually traits and not tropes. And I think everyone should take these with a grain of salt because, you know, every group's different. Every group works differently. But yeah, in general, yeah. these are bad. I think we could come up with some bad. Dungeon Master traits. So uh, I don't know if anyone wants to take the road. I've got a couple, but I want to hear yeah, from you guys. Let's start off. I don't think there should be any dragons in Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons, and I don't think there should be any dungeons either. <laughs> I think the whole thing should be dragonless and dungeonless. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I think that a bad DM is a, a DM that is monotone in their storytelling. I think that you have to get your players excited about the story that you're telling. So I think whether that means role-playing NPCs or your actual narration voice... Mm-hmm. I think it should be written out so that it, it sounds the way you want it to. I think it should be spoken in a way that is enthralling to the people who are listening to it, right? Like if you're telling a, a creepy tale next to a, like a, a fireside, get your fucking laptop out or your speaker out, get some crackling like fire sounds. Mm-hmm. You can find like a 10 hour mix on YouTube. It's super mm-hmm. easy. And then, like, actually use the hush tone of the storyteller that you're role-playing. Like, I think DMs who are like, and this guy, and this is what he says to you. Like, you should never be using the words, player or DM, should never be using the words, this is what I say. You should be just saying it in the voice and in the tone and in the uh, the fashion that you you want to. Now, so, yeah, I think the way that you speak is super important. I would you're a bad argue- DM if you're mon- monotone. You're bad. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue that's not necessarily a trade of a... That's more of a trait of an over-the-top, really good DM, uh, one who goes to that that length to give you the ambience and the and no. the voices. I think that's. I disagree. Both. You're oh, bad. Okay. You're a bad DM if you don't <laughs> if you don't role play. Well, this is this is like I said, this is like a disagreement. Uh, I I as a player, I personally enjoy when a DM does all that. I personally would never expect that because I barely make my do my homework for my character. I would never expect my DM to do that. But that's the difference, right? Is that like when you are a player. I expect you to come to the table sometimes unprepared. Sometimes like you know, like some certain people like like take Rogar for example. He's very, very quiet as a as a person. And mm. so Rogar, his his character, becomes quiet by extension. But like as a DM, you're supposed to be role playing people who are, you know, grandiose. You're supposed to be role playing people who are shy. You're supposed to be role playing people who are courageous and fearful and like you need to be able to express those things. So I mean, yeah, you can you can say you don't expect them to do it. But I think that as a DM, you should be trying to embody those things. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. How about you, Shane? Not like spending some time preparing for a session, mm-hmm. for sure. And almost yeah. just kind of bullshitting and making it up as the session goes along. Yeah. I'm sure that can be pretty frustrating for players and it's not going to provide a meaningful experience, I'm sure. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I um, agree with that. Players can fuck off, but DMs, like, you got to do your stuff. You got to do your work. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, everything has to be planned out and there are going to be improv moments. Yep. But I think those are, uh, those should be more few and far between and 
which make them sometimes the most memorable moments, right? Because mm-hmm. they're those few times where it's improv and it kind of goes off the rail a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's a good one. As a player, my number one is uh, railroading. Uh, I think that should have been number one on everyone's list. <laughs> yeah, I think we've touched on railroading a bit, though. Yeah. So I think it's important that it's on the list. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think everyone knows how we feel about railroading here. Yeah. Well, I'd like to go in a bit more detail. So railroading comes in different forms. There's railroading where you're just player wants to do something and you just keep shutting them down. Uh, and that's obviously annoying and uh, kind of discouraging as a player, right? Like, oh, I want to open this door. And you're like, oh, you can't open that door. It's like, well, it has a knob. I can pretty much turn it and open the door. It's like, no, no, it's locked. It's like, okay, I kick the door down. It's like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of annoying as a player. But uh, the I think subtly the worst thing a DM can do is taking control of a player character. Like, uh, so say... What? Really? Well, so... You've had this happen? Just, just it's it's subtle things. It's It's little things and sometimes DMs do it Sometimes it's not the worst, but sometimes it just, you're kind of like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So say your, your DM's like, okay, you open to this banquet hall. There's chairs everywhere around and you guys take a seat. It's like, well, I didn't want to take a seat. I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to do something. Mm. Else. I want to go talk to someone. It's like, I get what you're saying. I thought you meant like a bigger, like he actually took control of your character and like, how'd you do something or <laughs> like, like a bigger thing. But no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, now. that can happen too. And that's, that's way worse than what I'm saying. Mine's more of a minor. Uh, just kind of annoyance, especially as a, a player who really gets involved with his character and likes to do what, whatever I'm doing. I want to do something that my character would do. And if it's a, if it's a situation where he would do something rather than uh, something different than what the DM's telling him he's doing, then it's, uh, kind of annoying. But yeah, uh, I can kind of see that. I know I might do it myself. I can't think of any. Well, that's the thing. Examples it's, of when I did it specifically, but I'm sure I'm like, yeah, you guys go into the inn mm-hmm. and, you know, this is what you kind of see and, as you walk up to this person, it's kind of like I'm just trying to push them the way they want to go. It's guiding them and it's subtle and done right. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know what I mean? It's just if you're doing it all the time, yeah. it can definitely wear on the players like creativity and their their choice making. Right. Um, I think mm-hmm. always asking the player, what do you want to do in this situation? And then seeing their response, I think, is much better than saying, here's what you guys do. Yeah, for sure. It's a small thing and I think it's overlooked a lot, but. For sure. TBKs are a big thing. You total party wipe or a total, oh, total party yeah. kill. I think if you truly did not mean for your, all your players to die, the rules were bad. You improvised on the, on the road, on the route of them doing the fight, like, like on the fly. And they still just completely fucked it. Or if they volunteer, like, it's not like this is their mission. They voluntarily said, Ooh, there's like a bounty to kill, like a, for example, like a white dragon, mm-hmm. like a, an ancient or no, an elder. No dragons. No dragons. No dragons. Okay. <laughs> They, they're like, oh yeah, there's a bounty on this hill giant. We're going to go fucking kill it, even though they're level ones. And, you know, you're like, are you guys sure that you want to go after the hill giant? And like along the way, there's this old woman who's like, I foresee that you'll all die fighting a giant. And they're just like, no, we want this 600 gold that we're going to get paid. And they do it. That's different. But like, if you're constantly wiping a party, like I've heard stories of players who have just like every session, two players die. And it's like... That's no fun for anyone, man. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I think deaths are important and I think they're valuable when they happen. Um, if it's the right time, but as far as like every session, two players die and it's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. I like total party kills though, right at the end of like a campaign when it's their final <laughs> thing they're doing. I almost don't want them to survive when it's 
the very last what kind of wrap up session. Psychopath. Yeah, you are a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Let them survive. <laughs> God damn it. That's where I'll throw the challenge rating up and no, not I, hold I back. Think you're punches. wrong. <laughs> no, I disagree with you strongly. Wait, you're telling me that like your players get to the very end of a story. They're by all rights going, yeah, like if we work hard and we work together, we should defeat this thing. And you're just like, you sons of bitches. You don't even <laughs> you know the storm's coming. morons. Yeah. Just going to rail them. Make themselves so powerful and get up there, you know. But they got so powerful because they're still going up against this overwhelming force, you know. Mm-hmm. I still want them to be at a disadvantage against the very final big bad guy. Oh, yeah. Make it hard. But if you're not looking to murder your character. I'm looking it- to kill half of them. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up like kill one killing one has like the same effect as killing the whole team yeah killing the whole Severely team seems unrealistic and unfair <laughs> killing one seems like meh you know what i mean yeah no that's that's uh you know that's telling shane <laughs> this is shane's last episode of the night <laughs> no, no no i mean it's it's different right it's uh if your party's okay with it then i guess it's fine yeah. like if they're expecting to be murdered at the end, I guess every time. Then yeah, it all depends on the campaign too. Like I'm writing for a new one where they all play some kind of. They're on the side of the law, so they're like investigators or guards or kind of the police, and they're just going to be solving, you know, cases that are going on, different serial killers and different okay. weird things. So I'm not really expecting any of them to be in any threat the whole time they're dying. It's just will they solve the case and figure it out or not? No, no. I think you're expecting them to die at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, because there's going to be a dragon that comes. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I think, I think those are all some good ones. Uh, I'm sure there's more that we haven't thought of, but if you guys, you know, you want to let us know about some, feel free to comment down below or tweet us anything like that saying, Hey, you guys forgot about this or Hey, I, I disagree with you on this. Feel free to have a conversation with us. We're, we're willing to talk and correct ourselves. Um, especially Shane, please everyone tweet Shane. (laughs) (laughs) It's just my inbox is so backed up. I can't keep up with everybody. So sure. if you don't hear yeah. back from me, you do have the most controversial talk. Uh, uh, yeah, probably all the hate mail from his own players. <laughs> I played for nine months and you killed the whole team. You fucking dick. <laughs> just email. After and there's email. like there's like message boards being like, does anyone know this man? <laughs> he played with us for a year and our whole party got killed. Turns out that he did this with three other groups, and we all just don't know why. He's got, he's got 20 games going on Roll20 right now, just uh, murdering them all. Roll20. Wasn't there some controversy about Roll20 lately? Something on that. I got to do some yeah. reading on it. I don't know. Maybe we should do some news parts at the end of this. That could yeah. be fun. We'll start doing that. Something we are looking at doing is to get on uh, other Dungeon Masters from other podcasts. So if you have any suggestions, you know, Dungeons & Dragons podcasts you listen to, you love, let us know and we'll we'll reach out to them, see if they want to come on to the Nat 20 Knowledge. Yeah, I heard a rumor that Matt Mercer is going to show up next time. Noah and him would go, <laughs> go, go to town on each other. And by that, I don't know if I mean fighting or having sex. <laughs> I think it's oral. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if, if you like us, you know, follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Give us a like on iTunes if you listen there. Once again, we're sponsored by DieHardDice.com. So go there and... Use Dicey D20 for 15% off. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks. Talk for it's been a real team. Peace out. We'll see you guys next time.